0: Welcome, Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult.
1: We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches.
0: Trigger warning this podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well being while you are listening. If the
1: content becomes too much for you to handle, Please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that
0: those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it.
1: Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. Hey, Marcy. Hi, <laughs> Dee. We are actually in the same vicinity, location, building house, mine. Yeah. <laughs> We get to record together i know so marcy flew into new orleans yesterday had a very long day we were going to try to record yesterday but that totally did not happen so we are going to start bulk recording a bunch of episodes so i can get them edited and scheduled so we will be in the same outfit for a couple of episodes and that is why <laughs> this is why we're doing both- so we were doing the mental health series and we are going to continue with that our next topic of discussion is going to be spiritual abuse so just like we went through the verbal and the emotional and then we had the also the financial there's also specific key factors to spiritual abuse that we definitely want to cover and talk about and this might be a two-parter right we were talking about that or there's a kind of a
0: different topic i think yeah there's there's a secondary topic to it but we'll probably put that in a different episode because part of the spiritual abuse there was ptsd and and okay. ptsd so we may put that in a separate episode okay that so way it's not too long all right
1: so we're probably going to co- cover ptsd and cptsd in an, in an initial video that also kind of correlates with all of the abuses that we've discussed so again we are going to be reading off a document because we want to make sure that the information we give to you is going to be accurate and relevant. And we are not professionals. So this is not our wheelhouse. So we don't want to give false information. Right. So, but we want to get the information out to our followers and to those who may be trying to help others in a abusive situation. All right. Well, Marcy, you want to start us off?
0: Sure. So the key feeling to look for with a spiritual abuse is a shame. So that's the the biggest one. A shame obvious at times, but less apparent at others and can be experienced in many ways. Spiritual abuse can be recognized in many of the following situations, but is not limited to these. So these are just going to give you ideas of kind of maybe trigger memories for you to see if to kind of ascertain whether it's spiritual abuse for you
1: mm-hmm. or not. And they may be at varying degrees. So a lesser degree may not Necessarily be abusive, but it, if a higher degree, may it may be abusive in these situations. So, or if you don't experience all of them, but some of them, maybe a little uh, abuse, maybe not. I don't know. So, and we're going to kind of discuss like where we see the line of it going from teaching spirituality and teaching religion versus religious abuse or spiritual abuse. So, we'll go into that a little bit as well. All right. So we're going to do it like, just like the other ones, bullet points of different things that could be present that could indicate abuse is present. So if you feel ashamed when you or your partner have different thoughts about religion, like Jeremy and I, we have two different religious backgrounds. We agree on some of the main points, but we do have differences, but neither of us make the other person feel like they're wrong for having their beliefs. So there's no... Indication of shame
0: for believing differently. Yeah. Um, second would be, can you challenge your partner on their beliefs? So, like you were saying, Eve, with with him, I don't have experience in this, so I can't speak to it. But
1: well, yeah, I mean, so we've had discussions of like Jesus and his teachings and his ministry through the Bible, like how we both view those things, and will ask questions like okay well why do you believe in that and you know what made you come to that conclusion so it's not necessarily a, a i guess it could be a challenge like i'm challenging what you're believing and i'm ask you know discussing what i believe and you know can you have that open discussion about your beliefs without shame
0: yeah with kindness and respect yeah what about is kindness and respect the third one is, do you feel it, it is not safe to challenge their ideas about religion? So there's the key. Is it safe right. <laughs> to challenge them? Or are you required to, to stay within their realm? Right. Is it yeah. their way or the highway, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. <laughs> we discussed That's, that yesterday. We did. Okay. So if you've ever been silenced by your partner when challenge a common ideology in their religion. So I guess... Maybe for the Christian fundamentalism, a lot of the belief is that the King James Bible is the only Bible. And can you have, you know, can you challenge them on why they believe that, you know, or if you're coming out of it and you don't believe that anymore, can y'all have a discussion and challenge each other on what interpretation of the Bible you believe in, you know? So I guess, I'm not sure I like that word challenge in this point, this this... Yeah,
0: I'm beginning to be like, eh, maybe not the right word.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I, I think for for the tense and purposes of what we're trying to get out, we can change that word to discussion because that's a good dialogue to have about the way things are worded Yeah. and that we don't like the way that this is worded. Because
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're with a partner, are you really challenging their beliefs or are you just having a discussion about it? And I don't think right. that if you're in a partnership there should be a challenge like i don't know i just feel like challenge indicates contention and arguing more than a discussion which is just openly discussing it right words have meaning
0: words have meaning they do yeah yeah um I don't, I don't know. It, you, you could change this from a partner to even family members. So right. In that case, it would be a challenge. True. Like, because I have had moments where my parents came to me and, and I had been expressing a different viewpoint than them coming out of the cult. And I mm-hmm. said, I don't believe that anymore. And they challenged me with it. They said, they silenced me. They said, We don't want to hear about that. We don't Mm. want it to be that way. And they did try to silence me, especially when I was first coming out. So in that situation, then it might be applicable. But if in a partner situation where you're trying to just have common ground, maybe not. But particularly with parents or or coming out of the cult, that might be more appropriate.
1: I guess. And and it just depends on your situation. You could have to challenge your partner if there was a shift in beliefs while y'all are together. So yes. I guess it does apply. So, yeah.
0: and I, I know friends that have come out of the cult after they were married. So they married a it mm-hmm. and then as both of them grew over time, you know, they were both coming out of it at the same time, but together. Mm-hmm. And so that would be applicable there too, where you're both coming out of it. You're both trying to learn. You're both trying to heal. And then you've got to recompare what you think now yeah, <laughs> as yeah. to what you knew or thought you knew when you were mar- first married and still in the cult.
1: When you express your thoughts or opinions, do they call it silly, wrong, or stupid that leads you to feel ashamed for having the audacity to think differently? So definitely when you express your feelings, it should be a safe place, an open discussion, and not like, oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous, right?
0: Right. So I've had lots of discussions with friends who didn't agree with me in the religion department or the spirituality department. And we had really good, mm-hmm. really fun discussions and say, oh no, this is what I think. And no, oh, this is what I think. And there was no shame in it. Mm-hmm. It was just to learn what the other one thought. And they were they were iron sharpening iron. We learned things about each other. We learned things about, it refined what I thought, like it mm-hmm. gave a, a better point of help me talk through that. But there's also ways to There's also other conversations where I tried to do that with parents or or people out of the cult and that didn't go well.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It
0: can go both ways.
1: (laughs) Right. It definitely can. So y'all don't know this yet and Marcy hasn't been able to watch it yet, but I did record an episode with my friend, my very best friend that I've had for a long time. And this kind of ties into this. Can you have a discussion about different beliefs? And I am looking forward to y'all being able to, watch the dynamic between me and my best friend of 25 years. I don't know. It's been a long time. So yeah. And we kind of touch on what Marcy was saying, like being able to have differences of opinions and still be friends and like sister friends, you know? Mm -hmm. So.
0: It is possible. It's also possible to lose friends.
1: Yes, it is. I have
0: long-term friends that I've lost because I've expressed those differences or those changes in opinions my opinions have changed Mm -hmm. they've morphed over time and i've lost friends over it too yeah so have you ever been forced to attend religious gatherings so as a child in the cult that was just expected of us in the family we that we didn't have an option we couldn't say no Mm -hmm. because then you know bring the wrath of god down on you (laughs) right but we also had this discussion in the car the other day yeah was what Where was the line with our children, like where we felt we were overstepping the line of giving them choice, but also keeping it in the family as far as this is just what our family does.
1: Mm -hmm. Teaching versus control, right? Right. Like what is teaching and acceptable that's not abusive, right? right? And we kind of discussed, like, I don't pray over my meals anymore. That was something that we did religiously every single meal. I feel my personal belief is I feel like it makes it not as special if you're, you know, it's more of a rote prayer to me, you know, but that's my personal beliefs. And some people feel like that's their daily connection and conversation with God, right? So I think it's because I had experience with someone who did that daily and there wasn't a, I don't know, it just seemed it was all ritual and not actually meaningful. So it wasn't something that I forced and it wasn't something I did after, probably a year or two after leaving my ex-husband. And as far as church attendance, something I can't do. It triggers me every single time. And so I've not found a safe church, but my children are allowed to go if they want to. They have the choice. Other people choose to go to church every day and bring their kids and, you know, maybe there's an age to where you let them decide. And I think that's important that at a certain age it has to be important to them to for them to continue then that i think that's when it becomes control versus teaching right
0: which is kind of what i agreed was well okay so if you're going to pick when you let them decide what to not join the family in the family traditions and what you do so i i do like to attend church when i can i'm not religious about it i don't go every every week but I wouldn't mind making that a part of our life Mm -hmm. eventually. So what would I require of my children? Well, my, my children are five and seven. They are small. They have to go where I decide they go. Yeah, They can't be left at home, right? Yeah. They don't have a choice in that. Yeah, But also the churches that I was choosing to go to, the kids are, you know, confirmed at 12 or, you know, somewhere around there. So you could, I was like, okay, so maybe you give them the choice. Mm -hmm. at 12, yeah, you know, and let them decide whether they want to go or we do pray over our meals, not every meal, but Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the evening meal, because that's the meal that I've chosen to kind of say, Hey, this is our family coming together Mm -hmm. time. And we're going to check in with one another and we're going to do some healthy, you know, emotional check-ins. Like how was your day at school? Was Mm -hmm. it bad? Was it good? We do what, what was good about our day and what was bad about our day. And that, that just helps us be more of a unit as a family Mm -hmm. praying over the meal kind of just starts that off. Mm -hmm. and so we don't do that all the time probably not over breakfast and lunch we definitely don't do that necessarily when we were out for like a out to eat meal Mm -hmm. because when I was a kid and we were part of the cult that was like a witness Mm -hmm. you did it every time because people would see you and then they would ask questions and then you would have an open like witness for them which really bothered me (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) still does Mm -hmm. so we don't particularly do that when we're out sometimes Mm -hmm. but if, if my kid's instigated, I'm not going to shut it down.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, that's kind of like, if that's your choice and you want to do that, mm-hmm. it's important to you, then you allow it. Right. Right. So. And
0: I mm-hmm. allow them to pray. So I say, okay, yeah. who wants to pray over the meal today? And maybe the five-year-old does. And it goes something like, thank you for the day and for the food. And I really want a puppy dog. And then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, like we were talking about giving a choice to mm-hmm. pray or not and yeah. not. Okay, well, it's your turn. You're on the hot seat, and they feel pressure to do yes. it. Yeah. Or it's
0: always dad's job, or it's always mm. mom's job, or and
1: right, you know, right, yeah. Mm, the cult and the always dad's job, and dad was the intercessor for you between God and Umbrella. you. Umbrella, yes, <laughs> but you had a direct line to God somehow when you weren't around him. I. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna... we're digressing into the cult <laughs> and triggering <laughs> memories. Okay. So yeah, it's a reminder. If this gets too much, please turn us off. We're (laughs) okay with that. You don't have to watch us. All right. So the next point that we have here is being shamed or punished by, you know, the other party, whether it be family partner for not obeying a particular religious rule or set of rules. So like if you were told to pray and then you got reamed out because you didn't feel like praying yelled out by your parents or sent to your room without dinner because you weren't being grateful or whatever in praying punished for not attending churches you know you can't go out with your friends if you don't do the wednesday night service sunday night service you know whatever mm-hmm.
0: so my experience in that would be that if you're shamed or punished so i was not punished but i was definitely shamed for following certain religious rules so when i started getting out of the cult And started wearing pants. They tried to keep me in line with that by either having me, I had to change at the quick trip when I left. We've talked about this before Mm -hmm. or shamed, severely shamed that my siblings were going to fall away from God because I didn't follow that specific thing. So I would say that that probably falls under something like that would fall under spiritual
1: abuse. Yeah. And along with that is being shamed by other church members because you missed a service. I, yes. God, oh, wait, no, I was shamed because my husband didn't attend with me. Well, where's your husband? What is he even up to? I'm like, I'm not his key. Keep- I'm supposed to be the submissive wife. And you're asking me why my husband's not here. Why don't you call him? And so I didn't want to go to church without him. I wanted to go to church. But it was very hard for me to go to church without him, especially with the boys. Once we had the boys, because I would be grilled about why my husband wasn't attending. And so it's like, they don't want you to gossip about your husband at church, but then they ask you pointed questions about why they're not there. And you either have to come up with a lie or an excuse or gossip and tell them the truth. Well, he was too high today because he's, you know, snorted his pain meds in the bathroom. I I could tell you that, but then I'd be called a gossip, you know, or, you know, oh, he just wasn't feeling well today. Why are you putting that pressure on submissive wives to be accountable for their non-existent husbands or backslidden husbands? And there's so much pressure for you to put that holy family, perfect family that I, it gave me so much anxiety just to go to church without him because I knew I was going to get grilled and I hated it. So it wasn't very welcoming at all. You know, like, I am so glad you're here. And like, don't even mention my husband because at least I came. Mm
0: -hmm. One of the biggest struggles I had coming out of the cult was the spiritual abuse. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't hardly Mm -hmm. step foot inside a church without having some PTSD symptoms. Like, phone. Now, I'm so sorry. I forgot where we were. I was thinking, I think I was talking about church and PTSD. Yeah. Um, But I'm not really sure where I was going with that. So I've left my brain now.
1: Sorry about that. Don't know what track of thought we were on. (laughs) And I'd have to stop the recording. Go back, listen to it, and then get back. So, so we'll we're not skip doing it. that. Go to the next thing. Yeah. All right. So. All
0: right. The next one is: Does your partner use scriptures, religious texts, or beliefs to justify harmful or abusive behaviors?
1: All the time, he did. My ex. Mm-hmm. It was like the one thing that he did was hold on.
0: This I feel like this specific thing is what what is used to keep women in their place. In yeah. As as submissive wives.
1: Yes, for sure. Because without the scriptures to justify, you know, pressuring you to be submissive or listening to your husband or listening to your father as a young woman. I mean, I think this is the key in keeping women subjugated. in line and subjugated Is is scriptures. I mean, they can't justify doing what they're doing without using scripture or twisting scripture to justify being misogynistic and patriarchal.
0: If you're being silenced or shamed, that's the key right there. That's probably abuse. Yeah. That's probably them overstepping their bounds. If they're listening to you and you have to come and you're coming to a mutual agreement, that's a partnership. Right. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it it, it points in relationship. There is a point where you have to yield sometimes as a wife or as a partner when it becomes shame and it, and they're using scriptures to, and they're twisting scriptures to get you to do what they want.
1: Just and like it completely changes the sound. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Marcy's being ADD today,
1: <laughs> and I'm moving i took my meds i'm good i'm chill and i had two cups of coffee well, and
0: i just yes i've had like three four this morning four cups so, uh, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: all right so that was the scriptures so and then if you are in a partnership does your partner insist that the children be raised according to a specific faith even if you don't follow it and i guess that would be in a marriage as a child So in a marriage, you know, obviously partner forces the children, but also as a child, are you being forced to follow one parent's religious beliefs over the other, or are they just sharing their beliefs with you and you get to decide?
0: So, Spiritual abuse perpetrated by parents, not always obvious or blatant, can be seen when parents encourage single-minded thinking. When parents discourage questions or shut a child down for challenging what they learn, they are teaching the child that critical thinking is not valuable. So example of that, my children went to a little Bible class after school mm. with at their elementary school. It's not a Christian school. It's a public school. It just happened to be something they offered and I allowed them to go. They came back with some really challenging questions. They said, why did, why would God was so mean? He did this horrible thing mm. with Noah and the ark and the animals and he killed all those people. Did he really kill all those people? And oh, wow. it really made me have to say, okay, so let's look at this. (laughs) But not just say, Oh, but that's the way it is. Right. Um, And we really did have a critical thinking conversation about, well, yeah, that seems like a really mean God. (laughs) Right. And that seems horrible. And, you know, we had to really come to terms with that in in a five and seven year old way. Right.
1: Age appropriate conversation. Yeah. Because that's, I'm sure that's shocking. And I've heard so many posts and stories on survivor groups where those kinds of things, when you are so little, being discussed, completely changes the way that you operate because you completely operate out of anxiety and fear of all of these things happening to you because your little brain can't process it, right?
0: And that's what my seven-year-old was doing. Mm -hmm. She was saying, this is a really mean God. And Mm -hmm. he says, if you obey, bad things don't happen to you. And if you don't obey, then he kills everyone. Right. So (laughs) I was like, oh, hold the train. Mm -hmm. We don't want that kind of thinking. I don't want her. I said, I think what I ended up landing on was, you know, honey, that is not the God that I believe in. I believe in a God that loves you and that loves people and does everything in his power to show you the right way to live and give you opportunities. And he has grace. I said, the story you're listening to is Old Testament. And he gave those people many, 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 many chances to change, mm-hmm. like over 120 years, which they right. don't share in those Bibles. Right, things. right. So I said, he gave them many chances of grace. It wasn't just a one and done thing, which is what her seven-year-old brain was thinking. Right. And so I, I explained grace in that Mm-hmm. Story, but we had to, we really had to have critical thinking there. So I didn't shame her for asking questions or just right. say it was a Bible story or shut her down. We really thought it through, and we thought and I had to answer some hard questions, and I had to come back to her a second time too. I had to think about it for a while mm-hmm. because I just took that as rote learning when I was little. Like right. it just was what it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. We didn't question it, and we no. weren't allowed to question it. And no. I allowed her to question it. Right. Which so. is important. <laughs>
1: Excessive language can be used an us versus them mentality when referring to those who do not adhere to the same religious group. This language serves to give children a pointed message about the organization of social relationships and can encourage both an entitlement mentality or a savior complex. And this is actually this is not just parents that do this. I've had religious leaders and the cult leader the cult leader of the fundamentalist Baptist sect that I was in was very good at doing the us versus them. And I shared on a podcast, I don't know if we've posted it or not, or I shared somewhere recently. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or not, that I went to Ruckman, Peter S. Ruckman's IFB church for their blowouts. And a lot of his preaching was directed at the difference between Catholicism and fundamentalism and I am from a catholic background all of my family was catholics other than my parents and one other uncle and his family and so it really upset me the way that he talked about catholics because those that was my family and they cared about me and I knew that and so it was like if you were a catholic you can't be a christian and it's like That It was so ridiculous. And I should have, it should have triggered something then that something's wrong with this, but it didn't. And I do discuss this with my friend Lisa in our podcast about how I started adopting that thinking that other religions cannot be true Christians because they don't follow what the fundamentalists do. And that's the us versus them. It's everybody else is wrong. And we are correct. And it's like, look at the United States. How many interstate systems do we have from how many states? If you think about Christianity from each person being at the end of one of those roads, right? And they all intersect and intertwine and have offshoots and everything. is But a lot of them will converge onto one point, right? So we have many systems that will come into one point and that is for the i guess sake of this what do you call it when you the word i'm looking for illustration for this illustration is like the the midpoint would be heaven and jesus and going into eternal life right so but every person has such a different experience from when the time that they're born through the time that they've traveled on all of these different roads, that it's not going to look the same for one person starting at the East coast or one different religion or the West coast of the United States or a different religion. Right. But it doesn't mean that you're not all working together towards the same endpoint, Right. So it's just, it, it, you can't think of it as there's only one road. Well, how do you get to that road, right? So you have to get to the word first, right? So it's a different track for every single person. And it's, it should be okay to have a different road that you travel down.
0: Yes. So I was going to relate this back to my experience, one that I specifically remembered when I was 12. So this is when I was processing, this is when we really got into it full hardcore and into the cult hardcore. And when I was really processing why we believe what we believe and something happened with the neighbor. I think it was over rock music and we were supposed to ask the neighbor. If we were in the neighbor's car, we were supposed to ask them to turn it off if it had a rock beat. Wow. Right? And so I had asked the mom twice to turn it off and she kept asking me why. And so I just spouted the rhetoric that I had been taught that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the rock beat and whatever. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, I'm going to listen to my word. This is worship music. This is Jesus music. Oh. It, it, you know, it, it's good music. She, she mm-hmm. said, it's not bad. And I said, well, yeah. So I was trying to explain it to her in my 12 year old way. Right. So right. it didn't work. She didn't turn it off. Yeah. So I went home and said, Hey mom, this is what happened. I did everything I was supposed to do. I asked her to turn it off, whatever. And she said, well, some people believe that, you know, rock music is okay in their worship and that's what they believe, but we believe this. And I said, so are they wrong? You know, very black and white Mm -hmm. thinking. I said, so Mm -hmm. we're right and they're wrong. So how does that work? If they're Christians and they think they're listening to Christian music, but we don't believe that. Are we better? And so what happened was that's what I internalized. Mm -hmm. So I spit that back out at her and i said but you're saying logically speaking you're saying we're better than them we Mm -hmm. that we have a better road to jesus than them because we think we have a stricter viewpoint and she Mm -hmm. said, well not really but so it really challenged her to to think okay so this is what my children is internalizing this isn't how Mm -hmm. she had processed it it was how i was spitting it back out as a 12 year old and she was like you could see she was visibly uncomfortable With that, yeah, um, but it, she was so far into it that she just couldn't process that out, and and right, it w- it, was <laughs> it, was, it was a defining moment, <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. It should have been her cue that something's yes, wrong that with it. Been her red
0: flag yeah. that, that something was. was not quite right with these views (laughs) yeah so the next one is stifle a child's interest in learning about other religious practices this often furthers exclusive language by sending the message that others might be dangerous or evil Mm. so we thought anything outside of our very strict views was dangerous like Mm -hmm. it really was going to take you away from god or make you fall we weren't allowed to learn about anything else outside of that um very like very sheltered, very
1: like everything would be like going to downtown New Orleans in the French Quarter, and it's just full of sin and debauchery, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> sin and debauchery. <laughs> so, if you haven't checked us out on TikTok and you don't know what's going on in pre this recording. You should go check out TikTok because we've been giving you little sneak peeks to Marcy's visit to New Orleans yeah. and we're calling it the sin and debauchery tour. Yeah. So, yeah, once you've told all of your siblings who told you this and you've gotten all of their reactions, <laughs> yes. we will be able to reveal that her mother <laughs> yes. was worried about her coming to New Orleans. She, did. she
0: said that you do realize that New Orleans is a pit of sin and debauchery. It's a pit. It was a pit.
1: Yes. oh my gosh yeah no,
0: we it's, it's a town just like any other place <laughs> people live there
1: mm-hmm. normally yeah yes can you be a christian in new orleans like <laughs> i was like okay all right so like what does that make her think of me who lives here like
0: i think specifically she was thinking sin and debauchery in relation to mardi gras i said maybe during mardi gras mom if you you know like if you engaged in all of I don't know. I mean, I like, I kind of want to go to Mardi Gras at some point, but maybe not engage in all that it has to offer, but. it, it
1: yeah. 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 Like, I guess she was thinking specifically Mardi Gras in the quarter or something yeah. where people are just, you know, flashing themselves and, flashing. and drunk and <laughs> yeah. So.
0: But but that applies to the whole year and the whole town. It doesn't, it's just, you know, I don't know, but yes, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we had a good laugh about it. So that that's hilarious. It became an inside joke. Yeah.
1: All right, so force yes. a child to participate in certain rituals such as prayer, worship, communion, bowing, group participation, repentance, public displays of adherence, etc. Like we, talk, we talked about a lot of this, you know, the public prayers and mm-hmm. when you're eating out and stuff. A child who does not wish to participate likely has a reason. And parents who ignore the child's choices send the message that children do not have the freedom to make their own choices which is extremely the whole point of the cult was Mm -hmm. groupthink and make you question every single thing you did.
0: And I think that really does also depend on the age of the child. Like if that's how you want your family traditions to go, then teach them your family to talk with them. And then if they resist, you know, or if they say, I don't want to do it, like figure out why, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like have an honest conversation. Don't just require it of them. Like pretty much give them a voice to say what they're feeling, what they're thinking, like Mm -hmm. let them use their critical thinking and then maybe walk them through that. Okay. So the last point is force a child to remain in an environment where a traumatic event occurred. Mm. Children who have an extreme reaction to religious environments typically do so for a reason. Parents may be unaware of a traumatic event that has taken place, but to ignore the child's reaction instead of attempting to discover the reason for it is likely to teach the child that they cannot expect to be protected from harm, even by their parents. So this would address abuse in the church. Mm -hmm. Also, just like we said before, let them have a voice. Ask Mm -hmm. them why, you know, see, just really kind of, and believe them. Right. Believe them. Acknowledge that their Mm -hmm. emotions are, and that, you know, resistance is, there's a reason for it.
1: And just because they have an issue or they have questions about, Someone in authority, or they have a, they don't feel comfortable with that person, Mm -hmm. does not mean that they are rebellious. And that is a lot of what the churches say is if you are a teenager and you are coming up to me as a leader and you are questioning me, or you go to your parents and you question, well, you know, this, this happened and this happened. And I'm just wondering. And if you say, well, if they had, you know, ill will towards you, they wouldn't be in leadership. And it's like, well, no, that's not the way that works. <laughs> you know, and just if a kid says, Hey, this, you know, I'm not, or they could be acting out and resistant to going. And if you just keep forcing them to go to church, you may be putting them in a situation where they're being harmed, whether it be physically, mentally, or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And you just want to protect your kids from that by. Allowing them the space to process whatever it is and come to you about it. And if you don't give them a safe place to share even the hard things, you may not know what they're experiencing. And if a child comes to you, whether it be a female or male child and says, someone is hurting me. You don't ever let that your child go through those doors ever again. And because Unless the church deals with the abuse in a proper way by getting the authorities involved if someone has physically, mentally, or emotionally harmed your child, I don't think that church deserves your presence ever again because they are allowing abuse and hiding it if they do not alert the authorities and if they try to deal with it in-house and are just making people move from one church to the other and allowing pedophiles and abusers to walk in the church or
0: preach from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Children often sense things off of people. They're more sensitive to that than adults. And so being considerate and aware of those perceptions from them is important. And sometimes that's hard because you just, they're kids. But Mm-hmm. they you they usually can sense that off of people too like i don't know yeah. why this person makes me uncomfortable but they make me uncomfortable honor that even if you have no pre no proof any other way if my girls came to me i get vibes off of people like that mm-hmm. more easily maybe than sometimes other people do but if my children come to me and say we really don't like them really really don't like that teacher we don't want to be around them i honor it because usually there's a reason for it even if they can't express it
1: right so they may not know how to define what they're feeling either yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. they,
0: they they may not have the words to tell you why, but honor it.
1: So this is a story that I read. I think it was Thriving Forward. She is a survivor of Bill Gothard's abuse. Mm-hmm. And she was I, one of the defendants in the lawsuit. And she has come out publicly. And that is why I'm sharing this. If you want to go read her story, you, she has a Facebook page, Thriving Forward. And she describes her story. So I was reading her story not too long ago, and I believe this is hers. I may be wrong about who it was, but it was one of the survivors that had the story. And she said that there was an instance where she went to her parents or her siblings, or I think it was her parents, and said that Bill Gothard was rubbing her feet underneath the table, and they didn't even believe her. Like, he must have done it on accident you know, there's no way that he was doing that on purpose. He's Bill Gothard. And had they believed their child, Mm -hmm. and not that anything would have been done about it, but if they would have gone to the board and then removed their child from that position, that child would never have been subject to more abuse by him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if it looks like it might be an accident and your child is saying, this made me feel uncomfortable, accidents, even even if it was an accident and it made them feel uncomfortable, it is okay for them to not be comfortable around that person, you know? So, you know, they talk in in this article or this source that I've gotten to, they're describing like, when you, as a parent, have a child that comes to you with questions about your morality, your spiritual beliefs. Explaining to them why you hold those morals is more important than you forcing your morals upon them so that they can come to an understanding of your reasonings and allowing them to come to their own reasonings and own set of boundaries of their own morals. I'm dealing with that a lot right now with a 16 and 17 year old, my 16 year old does not believe anything that I believe. And the only time that he respects the boundaries I've put in my place is because he respects me as a person. And it's not because he holds the same beliefs, but he knows he lives in my house and he can sometimes respect me enough to follow the rules. Sometimes not. And sometimes respect is not enough motivation for him to not partake in something that he believes is not wrong. That's hard, but that doesn't make my child wrong. Hopefully it doesn't land him in a bad situation, (laughs) but I can't control that either. And if he does, he'll be dealing with the consequences and teaching them that hard decisions and bad decisions lead to bad consequences. I want them to learn that as early as possible. I hope it doesn't get to the point where they're dealing with something that is going to affect them the rest of their lives. But I explained to them that this has the potential to ruin the rest of your life. You may not want to do this, but ultimately it's up to them to make that decision whether they want to go down that road. And right now they have a safe place to land because they have a mom that cares about them. In a couple of years, it's going to be all on them. So do I want them to learn these hard lessons where they have a safe place to land and I can help guide them to a better path? Or do I want them to learn this in two or three years and the consequences are far greater?
0: I think that's really the key right there Mm -hmm. because growing up in the cult, we were expected to have blind obedience. Mm -hmm. We were not allowed to question We couldn't understand why it was just what it was. It was Mm -hmm. black and white. These are the rules. This is what you do. Don't step out of line or God will, you know, get you. And I think what you're explaining with your teenagers, what I'm trying to do with my children is to give them critical thinking skills Yeah. so that also, I think this keeps them safe from any other people that come after them that, you know, it keeps them safe from abuse of any kind In any, any way, shape or form, because they'll be able to logically think it through. Okay. So this is what's happening. This is what they're saying. And is this really true? Mm-hmm. It helps them find truth. I, I really feel like the cult didn't, it gave us what truth they wanted us to have and said, swallow it whole. It didn't give us mm-hmm. opportunity to think it through and decide. Didn't get, didn't give us freedom. That's something that God gave every person in right. the beginning, the freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And we weren't given the freedom of choice in that cult. No. I want, we want to give ch- our children the freedom of choice. You Absolutely. You know, this is what we believe. We're teaching you what we believe. We're teaching you the logic to get there. And that's really, yeah, I think what it comes down to is just and, you know, thinking and choice.
1: Yep. And that can apply for spiritual, religious beliefs in parent child relationships, partnerships, friendships, is allowing the other person to have different beliefs mm-hmm. and not judging them or making them feel bad about them. Mm-hmm. And My goal is to live my life according to the morals that I have. And if somebody wants to have the same morals as me, you know, because of my example, then fine. But if you don't, it's not for me to judge. And I am so beyond and so done with judging other people for their choices and their difference in morality. It's not even funny. I'm just like, just they have to answer to God. I'm not responsible for their choices. And to some extent, we're responsible for our children until they're adults. You know, will we ever stop caring? No. But at some point, there is absolutely nothing I can do to stop them from making bad decisions when they're not around me. And I'm not about to go chasing after my teenagers to make sure that they're not going to get in trouble like I did when they were toddlers. I, you know, no, you learn, if you want to learn the lessons, the hard way, learn the lessons the hard way I did. Yeah. I mean, they came from me. So what can I expect? <laughs> I should, I no, they're not going to be these robots that do everything I tell them to, because they're my children.
0: Rebels. <laughs> Rebels, both here. I and mean, what do we expect of our children? They're, they're going to be, yes. they're going to, you know, rock the boat a little bit because, yep. you know, they came from parents. From moments that, that I have a little bit of a rebel side and question things, which is what I want them to do. <laughs> I want them to question things.
1: Because then they're, sol- they're on solid footing if they come to an understanding of it and and believe that themselves. Yeah. Instead of always questioning, well, why do I believe this? Because nobody ever gave me a good enough reason or a logical answer. You know? So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And we hope that you are enjoying the mental health series it will be continued. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, do all the things. And and also, Marcy?
0: Come join the rebellion.
1: All right, y'all. Have a great day.
0: Bye.